0: Good morning, Emmanuel family. Welcome to worship today. Welcome if you're part of the online campus. I'm beginning, uh, actually, this is week two in a series that I began last week entitled You Ask For It. So, back in February, we surveyed the congregation and just said, What topics would you like to have addressed in a message, a sermon? And from that survey result, we came up with seven messages that 80% or more of you asked to hear a message on. Last week, the title of the message was, Why Do Scriptures Occasionally Contradict Themselves? That's a great question because behind that question is the greater question, can I trust God's word? There is one topic that I'm not going to address although I have in the past, I'm not going to address in this series this time around. And that is at least eight out of 10 of you asked the question, what does the Bible have to say about homosexuality? And what should our response be to the LGBT plus community? And so we felt like that was such a hot topic that Pastor Andrea and myself this fall on six Wednesday nights are going to lead a class on that and everybody's invited if we have more than 50 people you know the last class that we did kind of a we opened everybody we opened it up to everybody it was a few years ago we had a, a hundred and about a hundred people that signed up for a, a small group and so we were like uh what are we going to do so we held it right here in the worship center and if we have a, a lot of participation we'll just hold it right here in the worship center. But I think that that's a really important topic because that's a confusing topic. This morning, I want to talk to you, or rather you asked me to talk about how come I don't hear God's voice more? I think behind that question is actually another question. It's a longing question. I think that Every sincere follower of Jesus longs to hear God's voice with clarity in their own life. Don't you have things that you want God to speak to you about? Wouldn't it be great if God just sent you an email that had a bullet point of what you should be doing? Wouldn't it be great if God spoke with such clarity that you always knew it was God's voice? See, here's what I think. I think that God is speaking to us all the time. God is speaking to us in many different ways. God's speaking us through circumstances. God is speaking us through his word. God's speaking us through prayer. God's speaking us through impressions. God's speaking to us through, you know, um, um, uh, other people, circumstances. So I think God is speaking all the time. So how come we don't hear God's voice more? That's what today is about. Two parts of the message. The first is answering the question, how come we don't hear God's voice more? The second part of the question is, how can I hear God's voice more frequently? So let's begin. Number one, um, why don't I hear God's voice more frequently? I think there's four reasons, at least four, maybe more, but I think these are the big four. Here they are. I may not recognize God's voice when he's speaking, First Samuel three verses four and five. Suddenly, the Lord called out, "Samuel!" Yes, Samuel replied, "What is it?" He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? This is one of the great stories in the Old Testament about a couple that couldn't have children. And God answered their prayer and gave them a boy named Samuel and Hannah his mother dedicated him back to the Lord in such a way that when Samuel was, you know, probably 4, 5, 6 years old, she gave him to Eli the priest and said, "This boy is dedicated to the Lord and his entire life is going to be spent in service to the Lord and she did what was unbelievable for a mom to do, and that is she gave up rearing her own son and gave him over to the priest, Eli. If you know the story, it was a huge act of faith because Eli wasn't such a great parent. He had two boys who were also priests that were unbelievably wicked. And yet by faith, Hannah gave little Samuel over to Eli. Samuel had his room, Eli had his room, and one night, the little boy Samuel, how old is he, 10, 11, 12 years old, who knows? One day, Samuel hears a voice. Samuel! It's the Lord, but Samuel doesn't know it. He can't recognize God's voice. So he jumps up from bed, he runs into Eli's room, and he says to Eli, yes? And you can picture Eli, what? What's going on? You called for me. No, no, I didn't. Well, that's weird. Samuel goes back to bed. Happens three times. The third time, Eli says, it's not me, it must be the Lord. The next time you hear this voice, say, yes, Lord, speak I'm listening and that started an unbelievable extraordinary life of obedience with Samuel now here's what I think I think that God's speaking to us all the time I think sometimes we have a hard time actually recognizing it's the Lord I don't think we should beat ourselves up too much, but we have to be honest and say that that happens to us all the time. God is speaking to us, but for whatever reason, we're not on the same you know, wavelength and, and it, just, it just happens. Sometimes we make an assumption about God's voice, that God's voice is gonna sound a certain way. You ever done that? Elijah the prophet did that. Remember that great story where you know Elijah runs for his life and he hides in a cave and God says, Elisha, come out of the cave. I want to talk to you. And Elisha sort of comes out of the cave. And then there's this massive windstorm. And if you read the text carefully, you'll discover that this massive windstorm was so powerful, it was knocking the rocks off of the side of the mountain. But God wasn't in the windstorm. And then there was a great... Earthquake, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And then there was a great firestorm and God wasn't in the firestorm. And then a gentle whisper, a still small voice. And then the Bible says that Elisha came out of the cave and stood at the entrance of the cave. And that, the, that, that began the healing of a prophet who had been disillusioned by God and God reoriented Elijah's life and says, I'm not done with you. I'm just starting with you. And I've got 2.0 Elijah. Did you know that most of the time God speaks to us through impressions? And God's voice usually sounds like our own voice. You ever talk to yourself? Come on, you know you do. Have you ever had a conversation with yourself that began to go a certain direction and you're like, what is happening here? I don't think I'd usually say that to myself. Go call that person up and say you're sorry. That wasn't my voice. It sounds like my voice, but that's not my voice. I would never say that to myself. Do you see what I'm saying? Sometimes it's not that God isn't speaking, it's just that we just are like Samuel and Elijah. We have to practice hearing what God's voice really sounds like. Number two, distractions. I think sometimes we don't hear God's voice because we're too distracted. Luke chapter 10, verse 40 and 42. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. But the Lord said to her, "'My dear Martha, you are worried and upset. Over all these details, there's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary, you know, your sister has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. Martha was so so distracted by the dinner preparations for Jesus that she was missing hearing from Jesus. You see the difference? You know what that tells me? You can be distracted serving the Lord and not even hear the Lord's voice. So our grandson, Paxton, just turned six. Our daughter, Emily and Trevor, our son-in-law, Trevor, are his parents. And every once in a while, they have to go up to Paxton and take his head and turn it toward them and say, Buddy, I'm talking to you. you, Listen, are you listening to me? I I need for you to go pick up your room. No, 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 no. I need for you to go pick up your room right now. Kids have a hard time listening sometimes. This week, our daughter told us a funny story about Paxton. It was one of those nights, you know what I'm talking about if you have young kids, where your kids get up in the middle of the night. I mean like three, four, five different times they walk into the bedroom and you're like, go back to bed. I can't sleep. No, no, go back to bed. Lay down. I need some water. I have to go to the bathroom. I'm hungry. I mean, and it's just a distraction, right? And so finally... Our daughter, Emily, says, you know, in a firm voice, Paxton, go back to bed. And Paxton says to her, Mommy, you're just my medium favorite person right now. <laughs> Do you have a hard time listening because you're distracted? Do not let the noise of the world keep you from hearing The voice of the Lord. Now, the great thing about Mary and Martha is that Martha was doing some wonderful things. We we think that distractions are always bad things. I know I'm too much time on my phone. I know I'm binge watching. I shouldn't. But a lot of times, we're doing all these good things, even for the Lord. But they, too, become a distraction. Three, overthinking. John 10, 27 says, my sheep listen, or some Bible translations say, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Sometimes we try so hard to hear God's voice that we become paralyzed and we try to read into everything. Well, I read a book about some guy that lived in Montana. Do you think God is telling me to move to Montana? Well, I was listening to a song on the radio about this this girl named Sue. I know a girl named Sue in my biology class. Should I marry Sue? I like pizza. I had a dream about pizza. Is God telling me to open up a pizza shop? I don't know. How do you know? Sometimes you can get so worked up about figuring out God's next step in your life that you're hypervigilant about it and because you're hypervigilant about it, you're overthinking and then you paralyze yourself. But you know what Jesus reminds us of? My sheep hear my voice. They listen to me and I follow them. Now here's what that verse means. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I mean, seriously, you know, if you've invited Jesus into your life and you really are intent about doing your best to try to serve the Lord, you may not be doing it perfectly and that's okay, but you know, you really, you're in your heart of hearts, you really do want to serve the Lord and you really want to do and hear God's voice, guarantee God will not let you get off course too far. You can take that to the bank. If you find yourself wandering off the highway of holiness, the Holy Spirit knows how to get your attention to bring you back on. You will never, ever wander too far from the Lord or get out of his will because you're a follower of Jesus. And my sheep hear and listen to my voice. Listen, there have been times in my life in which God spoke to me in a gentle whisper, and there's been times in my life where God took a megaphone. To be honest with you, come on, tell me the truth now. There have been times in my life where God took a two by four and just wailed on my head until I got it. I thank God for those moments because Jesus said, my sheep, they listen to me, they hear my voice. Don't get so paralyzed about what your next move is because the Holy Spirit knows how to get a hold of you and the Holy Spirit knows how to lead you. And the Holy Spirit is so creative, he will find a way to get into your head and your heart if you want him to. Which actually leads to the fourth reason why we don't hear God's voice more, and that is a hardened heart. Hebrews 3.15, remember what it says, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts, as Israel did when they rebelled. Okay, so Hebrews 3.15 is actually quoting an Old Testament scripture about the time when the Israelites hardened their heart against the Lord. If you read the Old Testament with any sense of you know, continuity, here's what you'll discover. The Israelites were constantly disobeying the Lord, constantly rebellion, or in rebellion, and then they'd come back and have revival, then they'd follow the Lord for a few years, and then they'd drift back into rebellion, and, and it was kind of this, they're on, they're off, they're on, they're off, kind of sounds like some Christians' lives, right? The writer of Hebrews says, and he's reminding, he's reminding the people he's writing to, he's reminding Christians who know Jesus Christ that it's possible to harden your own heart against the Lord. How can that be? You're a Christian. I know, but sometimes as a Christian, you want to do what you want to do. And you may know what God wants you to do, but there's a part of you that says, yeah, that doesn't sound like too much fun to me. That sounds like eating lima beans and broccoli to me. You know, I, I want some cheesecake. Come on, am I the only person who has been faced with a Y intersection in their life? And you know the right way to go, but something inside of you wants to go that way because it feels like it's more fun or it's easier? That's a hardened heart. That's somebody that says, Yeah, I get it, but I'm taking the easy way because I'm too tired. Or whatever. Sometimes we don't hear God's voice because we don't want to. Now, when that happens to me, I pull a Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Here it is Search me, O God, and know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So here's what I think. I think if you're not hearing God's voice, like if it's been, you know, months and months and months, maybe even years since you've heard God's voice, I'm not trying to talk you out of your salvation. All I'm trying to say is this. If it's been a long time since you've actually felt the Holy Spirit speaking to you, if you've actually heard God's voice, you should pull a Psalm 139 if you're not getting answers to your prayer, you should probably go back and say, okay, I'm pulling a Psalm 139. Okay, search me. Come on, point out any way that's offensive to me. Okay, show me, search my heart. Because you know what Jeremiah said? The heart above all things is deceitful. Your ability, your ability to deceive yourself is unbelievable. My ability to deceive myself is unbelievable. That's why we need to, stay closely connected to the Lord and pull the Psalm 139 out on a regular basis. Okay. Four reasons why you may not be hearing God's voice. Let's flip it around Four reasons or four ways that you can hear God's voice more frequently in your life. Number one, go wild. Luke 5, 16, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking about the work and witness trips that we've been on as a church going to Kenya. We, we support a large children's home there. And um, one of the reasons that I like going to Kenya has nothing to do with the children's home. It's just purely selfish on my part. When I go to Kenya, I like getting up in the middle of the night because all the lights are off and I walk out into the big sky and there's no pollution, and you can see the stars like you have never seen them in your life. In fact, the sky is so unpolluted in Kenya, you can see satellites rotating the earth with your naked eye. It's just that clear. You can just watch it. Now, here's the point. If you're going to hear God's voice, you've got to get away from the pollution in order to hear and see things clearly. You've got to lay your phone down. You've got to turn the TV off. You've got to lay your favorite book down. You've got to do whatever you have to do to get rid of these distractions, right? And most of the time, it means going wild. It means getting away into the wilderness, Whatever the wilderness is for you, the wilderness may be for you downstairs in your basement in your favorite chair. If you've got small kids, you know what Holly told me? The wilderness is the bathroom. The bathroom is the only place that she could go that the kids wouldn't bother. Listen, when the kids got older, they start putting notes underneath the door. Can I go out inside and play with Billy? It's like, just give me five minutes. I'm with the Lord. I'm having my devotions. You know what I'm saying? But you you just go wild. Number two, connect the dots. Acts 16.10, so we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that the Lord was calling us to preach the good news there. Look at that phrase, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. I like that phrase because it describes the moment that Paul and his his companions connected the dots. It wasn't clear to them, but they had to connect a few dots to come to the conclusion that it was the Lord that was behind the scenes calling them to do this. Okay, you may have had a dream about pizza or moving to Montana, or marrying some girl named Sue. But are there any other dots that need to be connected before you take the leap? Do you know a girl named Sue? That might be helpful. If you do know a girl named Sue, does she do something for you? Like, are you attracted to her? Do you share the same values? Dude, is she a Christian? Okay, I'm going old school on you. You know, the Bible says that we should not be unequally yoked. If you're a Christian and you're not married, you can basically just say, nope, there's a whole section of the population that I'm saying no to because we don't share the same values and we don't share the same faith. Do you like pizza? Do you know how to make pizza? Do you have anybody that'll finance the pizza shop? Have you ever been to Montana? Do you like big sky? Do you like wide open spaces? Do you like being alone a lot? Because Montana's pretty big and the towns in Montana are pretty small. If you like Costco, don't go to Montana. I think there's only one in the entire state you know what I'm saying connect the dots now listen God speaks to us through visions God speaks to us through a hundred different circumstances I'm not saying that God's not in the dream he's not in the book he's not in the song what I'm saying is is that you've got to have more than that and connect the dots You've got is Scripture speaking to it? Uh, what do my parents think? Or what, am I, what does my spouse think? Or, you know, what are the people in my life who I really think are walking closely with God? You know, what do they think? And you begin to connect the dots in such a way that you get to a comfort level of saying, hmm, maybe God's really in this. Number three, be open and remain open. If you're going to hear God's voice more, You've got to be open. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13, God means what he says, what he says goes. His powerful word is sharp as a surgeon's scalpel cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense, laying us open to listen and obey. Nothing and no one can resist God's word. We can't get away from it, no matter what. God's written, God's spoken, and God's living word, who is Jesus, has a way of opening us up. What the writer of Hebrews says, like a scalpel, just parting us, making us open to receive a word. As you read the Bible, are you open? I, so we have a um, devotional that we hand out over the last six or eight months. It's called The Word for You Today. And I want you to know I read that devotional too. So I just don't give out a devotional and then just say, ah, it's for everybody else. I read it myself. This week, one of those devotionals hit me between the eyes. And I want to download this truth to you. I guess I always knew it, but I didn't put it in this way. And this, is may, this may be helpful to you. In the devotional, the writer said these words. There's a three-step process to being in God's word. The first is discipline. The second is duty. The third is delight, and you can't change the order. So here's what that means to me. Most of us as Christians, even as young Christians, right? Most of us have this expectation that reading God's word is always going to be a delight. We're always going to get something out of it. God's always going to speak to us. But in that devotional, it reminded me of something in my own life that has occurred. Before the scripture became a delight to me, it had to be a discipline first. And what that meant for me is this, I had to get up and read God's word every day, whether I got anything out of it or not. And once I got through the discipline part of doing it, every single day, day in, day out, sunshine, rainy, snow, summer, Day in, day out, just in God's word, it became a duty to me. And for years, I began saying to myself, should God's word be a duty to me? I must be doing something wrong. It just feels so dutiful, like I have to do it. But here's what's happened to some year old Mark. After 40 years, God's word has become a delight. When I open God's word, I'm able to put and connect the dots. Oh, this story goes with that story. Oh, the reason why Judges is this way is because of that way. The word has become a delight to me, but it wasn't in the beginning. It was a discipline and it was a duty. We want it to be a delight immediately. Immediately. And when it's not, we give up on it. And is it any wonder that we don't hear God's voice? Some of you are two months away. How long does it take to create a discipline? Six to eight weeks. Just look it up. Some of you are two months away from a spiritual breakthrough in your own life. If you'll just stick with it. If you pray over your scriptures and say, God, I don't know. I live in the 21st century in America. This was written a 1,000 years before Christ. I don't know. And God has a way, listen, listen. God has a way of opening up your heart like a surgeon's scalpel if you want him to. And to reveal things about yourself and about other people About God's nature, but you're gonna have to go through the discipline and the duty before you get to the delight. To me, that's worth the whole message right now. Some of you are eight weeks away from a spiritual breakthrough, and Satan is gonna tell you every single day, It shouldn't be this way. You should love the Word of God. I know Christians that don't love the Word of God because they're so frustrated, because they're so tired. of of reading it and not understanding it, and now they feel guilty. So now Christians come to church all the time feeling guilty because they're not in the word of God. You're eight weeks away from a breakthrough. Number four, ask God these four questions and then listen. What are the four questions? Here they are. They're, They're sitting right on your seat. Here's the four questions. I don't know if I should say this, like 100% guarantee, but whatever's closest to not making a guarantee, I'll say that. I can almost guarantee you that if you'll ask these four questions every day, I think that that like totally raises your chances of hearing from the Lord. And here's the four questions. What am I holding on to that I need to let go? If you're open, if you haven't hardened your heart, if you're really sincere and you're willing to hear, what am I holding on to that I need to let go of? That's the prayer of relinquishment. Maybe you need to let go of a dream. Maybe you need to let go of the expectation that you'll be healthy. Maybe you'll need to let go of a dream of being married and you're not. Maybe you need to let go of the dream that you'd have a happy marriage. Maybe you'll need to let go of an um, expectation that your boss will treat you right. Right. What do you need to let go of that you're holding on to right now? Second question, what would my life look like if I trusted you more? This is the prayer of relinquishment of control. We're control freaks. I'm a control freak. Most people are control freaks. We just want to control everything. What would my life look like if I trusted you more? and I let God control me. Is there anyone you would like me to pray for right now? That's a great question. You know what happens to me? When I ask that question, invariably, the Lord will bring to mind many of you. That's why sometimes you'll receive a text from me out of the blue at 11 o'clock at night or five in the morning or four in the afternoon. Now don't be mad if you've never gotten a text from me. That's not my point. You know how you say things and then you realize the backside of those things? Oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that, right? I can't believe the pastors never text me. Has he ever prayed for me? Yes, I prayed for you. Okay. All I'm saying is, is that at any given moment, the Holy Spirit may be longing for you to lift somebody else up to his throne. Because maybe that other person is praying for a breakthrough and through time and mileage, the Lord may say, no, pray pray for that person right now. Is there anything you want to say to me? And then just pause and listen. Is there anything you want to say to me? What I've discovered about the Lord is that he is profoundly gracious. I used to hate asking that question because I always looked at it from the perspective of, okay, what did I do wrong? Where am I falling short? And then I realized that my problem is that I'm actually not serving in a way that I understand the nature of God of who he is. Yep, sometimes God takes me to the woodshed. You know what I'm talking about, right? Sometimes God says, Mark, most of the time, God says to me one of two phrases, just do what you know you're supposed to do. That's a phrase that comes to me almost every day. Just do what you know you're supposed to do. And then half of the the rest of the time, it's sort of like, hey, you can do this, Mark. I created you and I love you. I take delight in you. You don't have to be perfect. I've accepted you, you're mine. Your identity lies within me. It doesn't lie within what other people think or your performance. I get you, I know you, I love you. I know you best, I love you most. That has blown me away the graciousness and the goodness of God. Four questions to increase the frequency of you hearing God's voice in your life. Would you stand, please? Holy Spirit, speak. You know, this next song, speak. Speak through the words of this song speak through the melody. I believe that you have some things to say to us today and they're good things or they're necessary things. Even if they're a rebuke they still come from a heart of love. Help us to be open to receive the word that you have for us today.